to The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and Misspent Youth Productions. We are Codes in the Clouds. My name is Joe. I'm Jack. I'm Steve. And I'm Kieran. And this week's guest is Justin Lockie. This is the last episode in our first run, our first series, I guess, episode 10. Uh, Justin is an old friend of ours. Um, Very old friend. Uh, a very old friend. Yeah, he was. Uh, he actually produced our first album, uh, which we recorded in the summer of 2008. Uh, Justin, well, do you know what? We'll get to the facts about Justin a little later. But this week, our mate Kieran had a birthday. How was your birthday, Kieran? Justin Lockie facts. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Lockie is a musician, a composer, record producer, recording engineer, and record label owner from Doncaster, England. Some of the musical projects he has been in include Your Codename is Milo, White Belt Yellow Tag, Minor Victories, Lights on Moscow, and Editors. He has also produced, or at least been heavily involved with, most of the records his various bands have released, but most famously is known for producing the debut Coast in the Clouds record. Absolutely. <laughs> as well as dabbling with making music, Justin also works with his brother James under the moniker Handheld Cine Club to create incredible music videos and visual performances for other artists. Is this guy like a fishmonger as well? Is there anything he doesn't do? He is a jack. And master of all <laughs> yeah, trades. There isn't a pie his finger isn't sunken into. I mean, when we spoke to Hazel, <laughs> she was telling us how uh, Lights on Moscow happened from a chance meeting in a pub. So this guy yeah. is just starting things just out in public. I don't talk to people in public. No, I tell you what, Justin is just a very affable guy, isn't he? He's very nice, he's very interesting, he's got loads of great stories. Um, just quickly before we go into the interview, uh, just a, a glossary of terms, I guess. Uh, so we've got, well, Milo, that's your code name is Milo. Uh, BEF, that's, uh, BEF is British Expeditionary Force, that was the band uh, he signed to a race tapes records with, and the reason we know him as a person. Uh, Bobby slash Robert that is Robert Raffs who is the founder of Erase Tapes Records has anyone ever else ever called him Bobby? <laughs> no <laughs> no and there, and there were other terms he used to describe Robert that I had to cut out uh, just joking Robert if you are listening uh, and James that's Justin's brother and there, I, I'll tell you what there's a few others uh, just email us if you're <laughs> or, just become, or just become friends um, with us and then they'll know what we're talking about yeah do you know what? Just become amazing. We- or run a little sub-podcast of this one sub- that analyses it, <laughs> thinks what the secret threads might Fan be. Fan podcast. Like a YouTube channel that like breaks down the Marvel movies or something. Um, I did like that this episode kind of wrapped things up, though. Mm. Um, back to our first two episodes, right? It was. it was nice that it came sort of full circle. We brought up Justin a lot in the first couple of episodes with Stuart and with Hazel and now we've got the man himself. It's a really good episode. He tells us lots of stories. In fact, I had to cut out a full half hour of this uh, episode just because it was running too long. But that's something we're going to put out in the new year. Um, lots of stories about his old band, your codename is Milo. So if you are a fan of them and you're disappointed that maybe he doesn't talk about them enough we have a lot of Milo <laughs> material that will be coming out oh, yeah. uh, at the start of next year when they do their reunion gigs in Newcastle uh, on January the 7th and 8th anyway, enjoy the show 
how are you, man? Yeah, you know, exactly the same as I probably was ten years ago when I <laughs> saw you. How's uh, um, how's James getting on? He's good. He's um, what's he doing? He works with loads of pop stars these days. Really? So he does he does a load of visuals and like editing and general like filmy stuff for like fucking Dua Lipa and oh shit like this is another guy he's working with moments like Dermot Kennedy and like proper like bona fide <laughs> get played on the radio shit oh wow um, so he's busy he's always busy oh that's he's, awesome man he's good yeah it's really good oh we, we we work you know that studio I did your first record yeah in? that's my studio now is yes, it? Justin. <laughs> so, so I've got I've got that, and upstairs is James's. So we we literally work in the same building. Amazing. Oh, amazing. So he's got his edit. He's got his edit suite upstairs. I've got the uh, the space station downstairs. Oh, is, it still, cool, is it still the same layout as before? Yeah, it's just got better mics. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> With bigger drums. I saw something you'd recorded there in a picture, and I thought it looked like the same space. But then I thought you're yeah, just man. looking at a plant. There's a plant there, and you're remembering that from ten years ago. But it is the space. Yeah, no, it's, no, it is. It literally is the same place. So, yeah, I spend a lot of time in there. Who are you doing? Who are you recording there? Because editors do it all over the place. We do some editor stuff. We do some, we do some editor stuff in there. Um, I did the master system record in there. Um, I've made another. BEF album in there, but we've just not done anything with it yet. Hello. Oh yeah. Well, um, got wind of well, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else we've we done? Loads of stuff. To be honest, at the moment, because we're just about finishing working on an editor's record. Um, I, I, it's just for writing. I got so I spend most of my time in the control room writing. I just go down there, close the door, can't hear the rest of the world, and crack on. Amazing, man. So, what as as what? What are you writing? At the moment, I've got a. I don't even know if I can talk about it. I've got a drama series in production. Amazing! Wow. With a big, big American company. So. Really. Yeah. What's it called? We so we can cut I'm, it out if we if you don't want us to put it out. It's like a. It's a mad kind of like John le Carre spy kind of thing, but it's got like a mad analog time travel-y sci-fi aspect to it. Oh, wow. So it's pretty cosmic, to be honest. Um, Is it already in production? Uh, but it's it, we're in scripting at the moment. Right. It's uh, So most, to be honest, most of the last like, what, three, four months, I've just been like on Zooms with writers sure. and Americans. <laughs> You oh, said it with such disdain, though. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, is it? Is it refreshing though? Writing not music. Yeah, it's great. It's it's just different. It's just a different discipline. Mm. Same shit. You, you know, ideas. You like literally pulling ideas out your head and trying to make them real. It's exactly the same as music, and the industry as well works exactly the same as, mu- as music. It's just different posts along the way. You know what I mean? You've yeah. Got... Sure. For everything that there is in the music industry, there's a there's a counterpart. Yeah. In the drama industry. That's so, interesting, man. Like gatekeepers yeah. to different parts of it. Like people that you know, they set you up with this person. It's all connections, isn't it? Just like 
Yeah, I, I haven't got any connections in thingy. I've kind of just looked my way into there, to be honest. It's like, I have zero, apart from like the music video stuff and the director stuff, I've not really, I haven't got, like, like with music, there's people who, when I first started, they had like, you know, they were like A&R scouts who now run labels. Yeah, look, Robert, look at Robert. Yeah. He was a kid who was just fucking mailing CDs yeah. out of his house. Yeah. And now he's got this fucking, he's got like, I don't know. This monolith. He is the guy for for that kind of music, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, he is, isn't he? So everyone who I started with in music is, is either, you know, clever enough to find another job or <laughs> stuck with it sure. to the point that they're now probably running fucking Universal or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> but in, in terms, in, in like TV and film and stuff, I don't really know anyone, but I've just managed to along the way meet people who, I don't know, just get shit done and like, getting shit done. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I obviously wouldn't put rubbish stuff out there, so I know it's of the quality that it's going to get fucking made. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of been my. Uh, well, I've been doing it for years. Sure. But, um, you know, lockdown, not being on tour. Well, like, fuck it. Well, speaking of how things have changed in the last ten years, I think the last time I I, I spoke to you, we would have been out outside a, a gig of some sort, maybe. Uh, but the last time I actually oh, shit, saw that you... Was, that was the Nils Fram gig yes, in Brighton. Yes, that was it. Yes, in Brighton. That oh, was the last yeah, time I saw you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the last, time, that was, that was the last that time we was spoke. The, that was the first week I started playing with editors. Was it really? Yeah, I was in rehearsals that week and I I, I was like, lads, I can't do Friday because I've got to go and do a gig in Brighton. <laughs> I've, just, um, I've just remembered it was James that told me you joined editors and yeah, he yeah. wasn't supposed to have... He said, yeah, he's joined a band that, that begin with E. Yeah, and I was like, he's joined it was, eels. It was, it was a mad, it was a mad, it was an abs- absolutely mad one. Yeah, eels. <laughs> yeah, um, and because uh, we, me and James, just we'd just been around the Highlands for a few weeks shooting a documentary of Frightened Rabbit, and then I went from that into editors, which was just completely different world to what I'm used to. Yeah, into yeah. Then down to do that gig with you boys in Nils Fram, and now you can't catch Nils Fram in a small church like that. No, anymore, you know I mean? certainly can't. Yeah, so, man. Well, I mean, well, yeah, but the last—that was the last time we spoke. But the last time I actually saw yeah. you, there was there was about twenty thousand people between us because it was at Glastonbury when you were on the other stage. Ah, did you see me? A wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw you. I went. Did you not see, did you not see me? Oh, sorry. No, I thought you. I thought you blanked me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. Glastonbury is a trip. Yeah. I mean, I played it before in the old band in Milo yeah. uh, on John Peel stage, and uh, I absolutely hated it. Really? To be honest. Why? I don't know. It's just I've I've never really been that good at touring. Well, yeah, you hate touring, right? Yeah, I, I've always hated touring. Well, it's not it's not so much. I don't hate the shows, and I worked it out. You know, I've been touring since what two thousand and one, two thousand two. You know, I've been been at it quite a while now, and. Um, about oh, how long have I been in editors now? Like a decade or something. About six years ago, I worked out that it's not the touring that I don't like. It's the, like, I, and I've spoke to a few people about this in music. And I, I think, to be honest, in, in a serious note, I think it's a epidemic of like horrendous proportions of people 
and it's coming to say, loads of people are talking about in all industries now anxiety mm. and like mental health touring for me is i mean just thinking about it just makes my stomach go like this really so about six seven years ago and editors we told really hard and editors um you know and it's all international i worked out that i'm happier if i'm traveling on my own so i think what it, i don't know what it is about it but like one one year i just went you know what, guys i'm just gonna stop my you know we get you know editors like a like an army of yeah, like of logistics that needs to be sorted and stuff at all and then so what happens now is like when the tour gets set way in advance and then I just get the diary for it. I book my own like sub tour <laughs> to everyone else is doing. Everyone else just gets on the bus and is like back in, right guys, you know what I mean? They have a great time. Um, I just found it's a lot easier for me personally mm. for anxiety is if I just got myself to the shows. And I was like, well, you know, it might be all right. In England, it'd be a piece of piss because you can just drive them down yeah. motorways. And then I, no, then I went like full on worldwide. Wow. Like wow. across America, across Europe, everywhere in Europe. So how, I just traveled by myself. How does it work in America? Was it just a lot of flights then? No, it's, I mean, we did, last time we were in America, we did like, we just did two tours on both coasts because it was like a, I can't remember how long it was. It must have been like a few weeks or mm. something. Um, car, train, little plane here and there. Do the rest of the because guys of, take and offense just, at that or? No, 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 they're so used to it now because they know I they know I hate it and they're like the most accommodating band in the world. And, you know, we're traveling in a decent, you know, we're not all squashed in the back of a tranny, you know, hot foot in it for 12 hours up and down the autobahn. We're, they're in a nice bus and, you know, that level of production. And it, I just can't, I just couldn't. So, yeah, because that was, that was what I was going to ask. Like, so it's nothing to do with that sort of level it's not about the comfort of no it. no 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 it's like i felt it ever since i was in um milo i've i've never really got on with it. i've always been like this, an anxious traveler mm. and the gigs were always fine you know get me if i'm at the venue or doing the gig and it doesn't matter how big the gigs whatever festival or arena or whatever or club gigs fine it's getting me to that gig is a wow. fucking nightmare <laughs> mentally and uh, and now I just realised uh, so now I like hire cars, and then just drive around Europe on my own. Because of that That's philosophy, really though, have you ever uh, fucked up and been late for a show or missed a show? Never. Wow. No, brilliant. because I I plan very well, <laughs> and I don't take chances on like crazy big wait. You know, I'm sure. not going to take a chance on a on a flight. Yeah. You know, flights like last option. I mean, I fly. You know, but it's like most of the time as well. If the routing's fine. You're going from city to city anyway. It's usually routed pretty well, you know, mm. into France, up through Benelux, across Germany, around Eastern Europe. It, you know, it's usually, fingers crossed, it's, 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 I don't know how it's going to be now, post fucking Brexit nightmare, but mm. back in the good old days. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I just, I just started driving. And then as I was driving, and I've always, I've always, I've always been a writer. I just started writing in my head whilst I was driving. You know, I'm spending like hours and hours on the road or in a train or whatever or in an airport. And then I just started getting all my ideas together properly. And then it became my days off weren't, you know, 
just wasted. And I would, whenever I came to days off, I was in a hotel room just writing up all the notes that I've made whilst I've been travelling. So, so where, where do you think the anxiety comes from then? Is it because it's, no it's, not, it's not the people and it's not the actual travelling because you're still travelling. No, it? no, yeah, yeah. No, it's not the travel. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. If is it's it being like in a, control of the of the journey? That's what I've, I've thought about that because looking back to when I first started touring America in early days in Milo and we had a, like a, a beat up bus back then but we weren't doing like a U-Haul or anything you know back in the Milo days when like labels paid you to go on tour and stuff yeah we had an all right mode of transport and um I just remember I always sat at the front next to the driver I don't know if it's some like mad travel sickness you type thing. I don't really get travel sick I just get travel travel get me the fuck off the bus because I don't want to be here do you know what I mean? It's like, and I can't, and I can't sleep on them. That's the thing. It's like I really, I just can't sleep in those little like coffin-sized <laughs> bunks. Mm. It's like, nah, I'm, you know, when you can't see anything, you don't know where you are. It's like late at the night, you're tired because you've just been on stage for an hour and hour and a half. And to me, everyone else just unwound on the bus, played FIFA, had some beers. But to me, it was just like exert the same amount of energy as I just did in a show, just keeping it together, driving wow. across fucking Germany or something. So I'm like, fuck this. And then took a different route. And then you know, now it's like, you know, even in festival season, I'll try and do a lot, a lot of my own thing. So there'll be some fucking festival in France, south of France. And I just put on down this little <laughs> iron car and I just rock up at the festival. And they're like, you know what, getting into a festival is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I just rock up at the artists in like a higher car. Yeah. Like, I'm an editors. <laughs> and they're like, what do you want? Yeah, there's and such a recipe like, for uh, disaster that you look like a <laughs> fantasist. They're like, what, what do you want? I'm, like, I'm an editor. They're like, all right, yeah. off you pop. And then, you know, I'm wearing black. I've got a black hoodie on. And I, look, I look pretty gothy. So, and then just rock up. And then I just park next to the bus at the back of the stage. Just go and go in, see the lads. All right, lads, how's it going? <laughs> Do the so show, get back in my car, and fuck off. There's no way. If I was like some French security guard or something, there's no way I'd believe you're in the <laughs> band about to play the main stage yeah, but of the festival. That's, that's the thing, Joe. If you say something convincing enough <laughs> with enough authority, <laughs> you can literally go anywhere and do anything. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It's like. It's it's uh, yeah, so it's it's quite good. But but the one thing I noticed was my anxiety levels were coming down, and my productivity levels of just across the board were like going through the roof. So and then I'd finish tours with like fucking billion ideas that I wanted to work on, and then when I'm off tour, I just work out which one I want to do and then go and chase it. That's, That's that. It's always about so, that so balance, always... isn't it? You got to keep that balance. Just other, it's, you, it you got can't create to do. otherwise if you're. No, I, I can't, I can't, I don't think I've ever not done anything. So I've always got to have something to do. There's always, and the rest of the band take the piss out of me all the time because, mm. you know, it's like, you know, I won't see him for a month or so and they'd be like, how many albums you make in a month? <laughs> that we have, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, actually, you know, I've got this little fucking thing going on. And, and it's just, you know, I just can't, I can't seem to switch off. But it was, I know it's better now. I know it's better because when I used to tour back in the day, as I was touring and anxious, I wasn't eating as much. So I'd just lose so much weight being on tour mm. that when I got off tour, I had like two sets of wardrobes. I had everything twice. I had like small, medium, 
and large you know large when i've been at home for too long and then as soon as i went on tour i had to pack all my fucking medium stuff because it's like just fucking pissing weight off oh we just uh we just yeah. assumed it was a uh, an image thing because now you're an editor is playing the main stage of yeah yeah i mean it's really weird it's really weird and like but i think what well, like doing those kind of shows like when i first joined like we did a couple of warm-ups in in like Birmingham or something. And um and then we were doing like their biggest show we had ever done, which is like a festival headline in Belgium to like fifty thousand people. God, and it's like it doesn't feel real to be honest. Yeah. I mean I've played loads of shows in all different kinds of things. It's like, no, this is mental. It don't it doesn't really compute. I don't think it ever will compute. But you still attack it with the same kind of premise as you do if you were at the Water Rats trying to be loud as fuck. <laughs> yeah. you know I, mean? I mean, one of my favourite shows was the BEF show with the, the Water Rats. Incidentally, yeah. one of my favourite shows Yeah, ever. that was like, great. Oh, that, was, God, that, was... that was a show, man. Yeah, yeah. that was That was, that was actually, and I was like, and, I re- and it's really sad, but I remember that show because of how anxious I was to do that show. I travelled down on my own that day as well, I think. We're trying to fit that many people on that tiny fucking stage. Yeah. That would have caused me yeah. anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a that was a fucking that was a show though, right? Yeah, that, that was, was that was wicked. that was a brilliant show. I actually I've got show. a flashbulb memory of that, Joe, freaking you out because I was like one row in front of you and I sort of turned yeah. around <laughs> and I was so like vibing off of the energy of this show. It was like it was like I was coming up on empty May or something. As I turned to Joe, yeah, no, I do you remember that, Joe? Because I sort of yeah, like, I remember just, it so well. Everyone was kind of like, oh, he's. I just remember every time I played those shows, the BF shows, and we didn't do enough of them to be honest. Mm. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed like that. The whole kind of vibe between everyone in that band was just so fucking relaxed. Mm. But um, I just remember I couldn't face forward doing those shows. I had to look behind. Because yeah. there was so much stuff yes. going on, and I was like, I was the cues guy as well, so I was guitaring, but I was also like, you know, we had two drummers. Nobody needs two drummers, <laughs> but we had two drummers, and you know, we should have relegated one to percussion, to be honest. <laughs> but um, but it was like, and I, having to nod everything, cause, uh, you know, because I was the guy who recorded it. I seemingly I was the only one who knew where stuff happened. Right. And Aid was on his own fucking galaxy somewhere, yeah. you know, with his vocoder. Um, and just seeing James like popping about, and then going right, fuck, 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 fuck. Where are we now? Where are we? Where are we? But so, once, once we go into it, was, that was so enjoyable. Those shows. Man, That's yeah, so were, interesting. Because yeah, though, that show. Oh, because I remember for a start. Because you, as you said, you didn't play enough of those BEF shows. So this was the first no. time I'd seen BEF, and I remember we got there because I think we met you and James for a drink beforehand, and I heard you sound checking, and that's what got me excited. Hearing like all those demons, like sample playing, going, oh, yeah, this yeah. is super exciting. Um, yeah, I found out. I found out I was having a my second child that day. Wow. Oh. Oh my god! That, 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 we keep seeing you at seminal moments in your life. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I could just come in at signposts. You know what I mean? It's like, oh shit, these guys. What's going to happen? What's going to happen um, now? Yeah, I, I, remember, I don't know, man. I remember I seeing you like st- being at the side of the stage and looking like across the stage. You weren't addressing the crowd, but I, I never thought that was. Um, like a nerves thing. I thought it was because to us, you were, you know, you were the guy was, in Milo. You were, you're used to, you know. Yeah, but back in Milo, the thing in Milo is, 
the Bilo stuff was so mathematically complex between three guitarists mm -hmm. that that no one would really know if you weren't like in the show because there's that much shit going on. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. like Paul's there singing fucking counter melodies with in one fucking type signature with his guitar playing, you know, and he's playing it left-handed and he's like this mega mathematical musical brain. You know, Adam was like this screeching, like high delay kind of shit. And then I was like meeting two veg guitar in the middle. And it was like, <laughs> no, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Everyone joins in for the riffs and then nobody knows any different. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Milo, Milo was, Milo was fun. It's it like, it was the first time I'd ever addressed the anxiety because I went on a, a weird diet. Um, I went to see someone whilst we were in Milo because we, we toured America quite early on in that band and um yeah it nearly ruined me and uh came back i went to see someone and someone thought it was my diet so i had to cut a load of stuff out of my diet and it didn't do anything it just made me really skinny <laughs> <laughs> so he was still terrified but skinny and terrified <laughs> you know what i mean um but I, i've you know since i spoke to quite a few people along the way and i think what we do in terms of creating things for for a living which is not like the safest kind of career mm. is you skip over the things that are signposted when you're older you kind of go oh shit i should sort this shit out mm. but when you're young you just think you get it mixed up in excitement yeah yeah so anxiety and excitement i think are very very close together mm. like that butterflies in your stomach exactly. kind of thing but then it's like you know it's when it spirals out mm. you know and you could you know i know I, I, you know a lot of people are going to drink they're going to drugs but I'm shit at drinking and I've never really been a drug person. So, mm. you know, I just make stuff instead. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he was, he was working on some, he was having, he was having a drink while he was working. I'm like, oh, I just never get anything done. Um, yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of people tend to reach for that. Yeah. And you got to think as well, when you like, in like bands like editors and stuff like that, when you, when you're, you know, essentially an army, moving around with all the like mechanics of it all and stuff like that is I imagine it's quite easy for no one to pick up on that shit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because there's so much shit going on, of course, yeah. you know, and uh, I don't know. I think now I can kind of like, I don't know. I feel like someone should probably do something about it because I reckon, especially in our industries and, and going moving into like the drama and TV film mm. stuff, you know these these projects take a lot out of you and it's always really hard you know you, mm. you can't stand there on stage and go, oh, you know i'm done with this yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know I mean? i'm off yeah. you know what i mean because then you know it's not only yourself but everyone else is codependent so it's really hard so i imagine you know a lot of people hit you know the rock bottom drink and 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 depression and stuff and yeah, I think I reckon it's, it's more people affected by it than we could even dream of. To oh be yeah, and it, like even they wouldn't realize because I think, especially when you're at a young age. So when when you were in Milo in your twenties, it would have been a you know all the terms like you know hitting rock bottom or having a breakdown. They sound like big momentous things, but they're not. Mm. They don't just happen. They happen gradually, and you don't even know they're happening. You just sort of get used to feeling uneasy all the time well, that's, that's 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 the that's the big thing is it's it's um 
when you get used to stuff, you don't question it after a bit because you just get used to it. Exactly. It's like, you know, unless you can, and if you're busy or you're in a kind of, you know, ephemeral kind of industry, which can be, rub can be pulled underneath you at any point, you kind of too, you, you're moving too fast, headlong into something to even stop and go, oh, you know, members, I don't feel right about this. And you get dragged along with it. But yeah, and I don't think you really ask yourself those questions as a person until you're older. Because I want to fucking, you know. Oh, but like when you're younger, 20. when you're younger, you're full of excitement, adrenaline, and then when that starts, when that, when that starts yeah. running out, and you're uh, like running on steam, and you're like burning out, and that's that's when people do turn to alcohol and drugs to try and keep mm. that momentum going. You've run Who's out. Who's got of the ability or the kind of bravery to to try and change it? Because if if you're the one person yeah. that says that I'm not going to play uh, eighteen shows in a row without a night off yeah. then you're going to be the one that's just not given the next opportunity you know what i mean because there's always going to be someone well, yeah, who will that. push there's, to the extreme yeah there's that and the fact that you know the rest of the people who are involved in that in that setup do want to play all those yeah, shows you know what i mean insane, it's like yeah. so it became once i basically once i just sorted it out by traveling by myself i noticed that the anxiety levels went like so much down and I kind of enjoyed it and I enjoyed it for the fact that you know when you're on a bus tour you, you do your show in like a big black box and then you get on a bus in the night time and you drive overnight you wake up outside the grey walls of the big black box and then you go inside yeah and you get around and stuff by the time you're halfway around Germany you can't be asked to go walk around that city again yeah, especially if you've yeah. done it like 20 times before yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so you don't really see anything yeah. yeah, and I was like, you know, now I get to drive over the Alps like a couple of times a year, just going between Italy and Switzerland, just like mad stuff. I'm on my own. It's not like I'm not like <laughs> stopping off like. Yeah. But sometimes there's like little cafes right at the top, and you know, you have a little stop, have a little picnic, have a little lunch break. I can imagine and then jump back in the car. Old, a little old German couple taking your picture for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, Pointing at signs. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, I mean, there's, I don't take anyone with me, and, and I don't tend to listen to music either. I just tend to like the quiet, and um, yeah, it's, that makes everything a lot more. Well, I look forward to it because it's like now, now I get like really like dad-like and like plan my routes and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I haven't done that pass, or oh, what if I take this one? You know, what if I take this, uh, you know, this autobahn route and go through this town that I've never been to, and then I plan my stops. Um, because I'm not driving 13 hours overnight, I'm doing like, you know, I drive in the morning, you know, and I drive, sometimes I'll drive after a show just to give me a head start on the next one, but I'll just, I'll stop in these mad towns that I've never ever visited and I'll stay in these like mad B&Bs and stuff and hotels and like, you just find all these people, I found these people in like, I was driving to a festival in France and it was really on like the um, west coast of France and I broke the journey up and I stopped in this mad little French, basically it looked like a Call of Duty level. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this mad old French sound off like Medal of Honor or something. And um, and the, B, the, the like, B&B and there's two, uh, a couple from like Birmingham or no, a couple from London who, uh, who had this, who just bought it a few years before and did it up. And it was the coolest place. And I was just sat and drank wine with this couple all night Amazing. and, 
talked about tunes and bands and stuff forever. And then uh, got on my way in the morning, went to our festival. It's, it's, yeah, it's wicked. Such a, it's, a, you may be like the only person that's ever experienced like a big <laughs> budget, like high end tour in this way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, who, yeah. who does it? It's way? mad. Yeah, it's mad. And America's great as well. You know, it's like driving up and down both coasts on your own, stopping off in places that you wouldn't usually stop off in. It's like, it's really cool because you get to see shit that you just don't get to see. I mean, you know, it's major cities, but it's the bits in between the major cities that, that are kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, cities are great, but when you're a touring band on like records six or seven, you've seen those major cities quite a few times. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, all right, I'll just go and stop in this mad town in the middle of Germany and see see what the crack is. And some places, you know, you go go to Italy and Italy. I, I love Italy. I spend a lot of time driving up and down Italy and. Absolutely love it, but just places I'm just like mad villages in the middle of nowhere, and I'm just staying there. And it's like some like old woman's making me pasta, and I'm like the only guest there. <laughs> and it's like, and I just, you know, they don't speak much English, and they don't really know what I'm talking about. But they're the they're the things that you remember because yeah. black boxes tend to just like, you know, blend into one after after a bit. So would you yeah. say now that you're like? equally enthusiastic about recording and touring are you still pro are you still primarily a a recorder i love I, I love studio studios studio is my favorite place um i think it's a completely different energy and a different kind of skill set to the live stuff i mean once you're in like it's really hard because once you're in live mode and you're halfway through it so like you know start of an editor's campaign i know that we're going to be busy for like nearly two years mm. so you throw yourself into that two years and you know kind of it just becomes part of your life but what, when i'm in the studio i love fucking about the studio that's just my it's just my thing that's why i've got one that's why i've got that place that you guys recorded in mm. you know it's i love it i love it to bits and i've been fortunate enough to to work in some really really good studios around the world and work with some really good producers so I managed to learn a lot of stuff by watching other people do great stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and I mean, now you can just do it on YouTube now, but back then, <laughs> you know, you, you can't really do that. I mean, like sitting, watching Steve Albini and how he did his drums, like when we first started with Milo, sure. it's like the only reason oh. we did our first record with Albini because I was like adamant that I get to learn yeah. how to, I mean, you know, record his drums like that in Newcastle when we got back. And I've tried every band I've ever been in. There's, there's always some people you, I've always said it to everyone I've worked with and every kind of like project is, you know, if, if you want to keep this going, it, bands rarely last forever, but there's other parts of what we do that you can naturally move into post bands. Do you know what I mean? Or post project or, you know, it's always, always keep your eye out because you're always learning some shit. And it's like, for me, it was like, keeping out on the producers because that's what I wanted to yeah. be in the studio, you know, and make noise and fuck about with microphones until give me, so give it me sounds a, good, basically. Give me a like, brief summary of, of Steve Albini's approach with drums. <laughs> Just like, uh, it might be like way too techy, but... It's it's really, it's, it's really, 
I grew up listening to, so I, I've got two older brothers and luckily for me, they had amazing taste in music. So um, growing up was Pixies, you know, Wedding Present, Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr. Um, so I always grew up knowing that Albini drum sound, you know, Surferosa was yeah. like probably the biggest record in our house. So knowing that that drum sound is, you know, and um, Breeders' first record, Pod. So that drum sound is like comfort to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I never knew how he did it and watching him do it. And it's basically, it's his boundary mics. He's got, he's got, he sets, it's all ambience. And it's like, oh man, we, and we went over there and I was expecting to like, you know, go there, take loads of photos and just fucking nick everything. <laughs> and um, we got there and it was apparent within about an hour of setting up that the drums are in a two story room, right? Surrounded by loads of mics. Yeah. And it's this massive fucking chamber of rooms, like studio be it electrical audio. And everyone else is lined up behind a patio door in a corridor. <laughs> so you've got bass amp, guitar amp, guitar amp, guitar amp. So there's the most of the band are all essentially in a line in a corridor <laughs> next to each other and the drums are in a fucking palatial two story yeah. building. <laughs> and you're like that's how he gets his drum sound. Amazing. I like, I love that. So um That's amazing. So yeah, but it's basically just it's just, you know, it's not even ex it's not, it's not an expensive thing because it's a very simple way of working with them. Mm. And uh, that was great. Absolutely great. I learned pretty much everything I needed to that 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 so trip. because you're a studio head at heart as you said before yeah. everyone always says like oh what's the latest thing you've done should we can we yeah. just list off all of the possible forthcoming albums and projects <laughs> that possible forthcoming that, that albums previous guests have like teased us with and that yeah. are like driving us um, so ha Hazel sort of alluded to there may be another Moscow record she also alluded to another BEF one What's yeah, well, I did. A, I've done a lot of work on the BEF record. I don't think it's quite there yet, but I think we've we've got an album's worth of tunes, and I've Amazing. recorded most of it. Brilliant. But I mean, if you want, you know, if you want an honest the, opinion, talk, you can send it to me, and I'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but when he, he, <laughs> I sent it to sent it to um, Bobby, and um, <laughs> in, you know, I don't, I hadn't spoke to him for ages. I just sent him the BEF record, pretty much, and he's like, loves half of it, not sure on the other half. I'm like, well. Yeah, I like the other half though. So, <laughs> right, right. You know, so I'm gonna, so I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come back to it. But coming back, you know, that I, I literally worked on that in my like dining room through lockdown. That because I was even scared to go to the studio because nobody knew what was, you know, when yeah, like first yeah. lockdown happens, yeah. like fuck, we're all that. We're this is it. We're, yeah. we're doomed. We, everyone's gonna have to stay in forever. Um, I basically <laughs> just worked on my laptop in the in the next room and with my headphones on and um, pretty much made most of the BF record that way learned how to use Ableton properly. I've never used Ableton before, but I just got it for lockdown just to fuck about it. It turns out it's pretty good and I can see why everyone uses it. Um, you know, there's, there's me like fucking shouting at the screen over Pro Tools for like 20 years and then Ableton is like, you can learn it in about four minutes. <laughs> the amount of hours, the amount of hours I've lost, I'm never going get to get back. So did that. So there is a, there is a BEF record somewhere in the ether, which will work at some point. Will be emailed I, to. Joe I'm and always, Kim. yeah. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always gonna do stuff with Hazel. 
Uh, she's got. She, I love her voice. It's just absolutely mm, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it's just a case of timing with Hazel because you know Mercury nominated Hazel Wild now. Yes, exactly. It's not just normal Hazel Wild. Yeah, of course, exactly. You know, it's like Mercury she's, Judge. She's out there. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I'd always want to do stuff with Hazel. Um, uh, my victories got that. Well, I've, yeah. I've wrote I've wrote a record, but trying to find the rest of the band in the same place at the same time is uh mercury nominated number one artist Stuart Brady. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly so you've got number, you've got number n- number one absolute sellout Stuart Brady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just turning his back turning his back on decades of his indie roots to uh you know scale on top of the pops now he's, he's, he's great and you know he's a legend and everything yeah. he's done is brilliant and we all tried to nick his guitar sound at some point yes, throughout our yeah, career. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, everything they've and, done. Um, you you helped us try and nick his guitar. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I've got, we've got, I mean, I've been in the studio, I've wrote shit on stuff for my victories, but it is a case of like this, you know, there's three, three quite big bands in that band mm. and they're all on different album cycles. And then you throw in that Stuart's scoring a fucking film every other every yeah. other day yeah. or every other week some some massive series that it just drops yeah and um it's really hard to uh to uh kind of pull that together but if they ever do listen to this that they know where where i am if they want to get in touch <laughs> and come back home to finish this record i think um, yeah to be fair to hazel when we spoke to her she was very much uh blaming herself for there not being uh another moscow record because she's so indecisive is what she was saying yeah, she is super indecisive, but she's also an absolute fucking genius. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's really weird because they said I, Hazel is like she said, like I I got sent. Um, I guess they, they, she usually sends me lantern stuff before it comes out, mm. so I have a listen to it. And they have done quite a while now for most of their records, and I fucking love her voice. Mm. And I don't understand how someone with a voice that good. And tune and melodies and the way she puts it all together can have that much doubt about yeah, putting their shit yeah. together. And it's like, it blows my mind. But, you know, we've all got something going on. And it's sure. like, but she's she's brilliant. I'd, you know, I'd work with her any day of the week. Yeah. And it's just a case now. And, you know, we're both grown up. I've got three kids. She's got a kid. Mm. We're both in bands. It's like, it's just time. Mm. Time spent. Yeah, and it's like, and the weird thing is, it's like, you know, the longer all this stuff goes on, the older you get, the less fucking time you seem to have. Mm. And it's it's fucking depressing. It's like, you know, you start a project and all of a sudden you're fucking three months down the line. Fuck, I'm just, there's three months, I'm not going to get back. And, you know, what, yeah. what else, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, in a in an editor situation, you, you know, every time we, we go out and do a record, it's two years before I see the end of that record. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like essentially, you know, they're big chunks mm. to do. So trying to trying to do another um, musical project at the same time to have the same kind of intensity to it, whilst in campaign mode in an editor's world, is is quite hard. I mean, I, I managed to do it, but sometimes it it just does get away get away from me a bit, but. Mm. Um, so there's that my victory editors we've got a record we've been in the studio we're getting mixed at the moment um, 
we spent some time in another studio in Lincoln over, when was it? May, June or something like that. But we've been working remotely all the way through lockdown. Sure. And uh, so that one's, that one's, that one's in a place. Um, what else have I got? Um, is that is that likely to be out next year? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. It'd be nice, but sure. I don't know. Yeah. I know, I know that I know that we're still like pulling it about, um, and then yeah, and then mainly I'm on this the, the writing projects. So I've got a couple of things that are in very good places. One that's about to go into production, and um. What else? Uh, and the rest of the time, I just take photos. That's all I do. Yeah, you do. All Actually, I really, all, to be honest, all I really want to do for people listening, follow Justin on Instagram. It's a, it's a nice little palate cleanser. So all I really want to do is sit around the house playing with fucking cameras because <laughs> so much, you know, it's it's like a. I've never really had a hobby where I've not really been asked what happens with it. Right. All my hobbies have turned into jobs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got into music and then I fucking, you know. I wasn't planning to do it, but that fell into that and it fucking pulled me through the hedge for the last 20 years. Yeah. And then I, I wrote because it was cathartic and I love like coming up with mad shit. Now that's gone off into singing. But with cameras and photography stuff, I just like dicking about with them. I don't want to yeah. do anything with it. I literally just want to dick about with them Brilliant. and take pictures. And I love the like fucking mechanical, there's something about it. It's like, you know, you talk to people who, who know loads about cars and stuff and they can talk about every fucking part of the car. And you're like, oh man, it blows my mind. How do you know all that shit? I'm like that with cameras. Cameras and lenses, now I'm that fucking nerd. Yeah, it's like, oh, nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Because James, you know, James works with fucking cameras, cine cameras and lenses all the time, but now I can like out-nerd him in the lens department when we're talking about fucking, oh, how many elements, how many elements and how many grids? How many blades has your diaphragm got? You know what I mean? It's just fucking super nerd stuff. So, and it's, um, it's, uh, yes, yeah, so that's a hobby. I love that how I you go more northern just... when you talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. James, <laughs> James, is, James is the most northern person in the entire world. He's like, yeah, it's remarkable how northern he sounds, actually. Because um, I know he's well-traveled. I know he's well-traveled. Do you know what I mean? But he's uh, sticking to his northern roots, mate. Well, hearing, hearing you talk about that, it's <laughs> like, it actually reminds me of the um, like the ethos behind Master System, which is like something like yeah, proper like, that, struck that a chord was... with me, like the idea of like going back just to the pure joy of fucking doing it. And that felt so good. I mean, I've been talking, I, would, I was talking to... Uh, parts of that band today and it's like and the self behind it you know it's like that album's it's probably it's one of my favorite records i've ever made because it did feel like being in the garage with my yeah. mates mm. when i'm 15 years old just with one distortion pedal no one have a tuner pedal you had like hmm. a distortion pedal that you shared like you <laughs> did it on this go around but the other guy got yeah. to use it the next bit because because you didn't have the stuff and it's like and um yeah, and I love that record. I absolutely, I absolutely, I love making it. It was a piece of piss to make. It's one of the best sounding records I've ever made because it was something that I, I'm totally, I know it, I know that world because that's the world mm. that I grew up in. That old, you yeah. know, college rock, American, late 80s, early 90s thing is is definitely my music. It's mm. what I fucking loved doing. And so it's like, and doing it with, you know, with Scott and Grant because me and James were just, 
I think we spent ages trying to think of a way to just to get in a band because we were never going to be in Frightened Rabbit. It was like, all right, if we can't be in Frightened Rabbit, hmm. what else can we do? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so we fucking love that band, and we did a lot of we made a lot of lot of films from a lot of music videos from along the way. And, yeah, you know, we worked with them quite a lot. Went around America with them bizarrely a couple of times, and um, just as filmmakers, not even as musicians, right. just like loaded up with cameras and oh, it's like if I could be in that band, that'd be great. I such fucking love that band. Mm. And um, so doing this record, doing the Master System record, and it just came so easy. It's like, write some chords, throw it all down in the studio. Scott throws his vocals. You know, Scott didn't even play any guitars on it. He just fucking sang. But he went out to do, this is how fucking clever he was, crafty bastard. <laughs> he didn't play any of the guitars on that. On that right, he's like, oh, I'm not asked about playing guitars because it sounds meant I'll just rock up and sing and shout. He wants to do some screaming. He's never been allowed to do screaming in his bands before, so he wants to do a bit of screaming. And um, and then someone sent me long after the, the the record, like there's this clip emerges of him doing like an in-store in like Bristol or something, and he's playing guitar. And he's, he knows all the songs, yeah, all the chords <laughs> oh, in inverted man. chords, and he does different oh. chords. And it's like, hey, fucking sneaky fucker, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, absolutely nailed it. And he's obviously fucking sat down and learned it all, but it wasn't that hard anyway. But it was the the only. It's not even a regret because I couldn't physically. I wasn't in the same same place that I couldn't. Um, I never got to do a master system show. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, they did. They did one tour. One small, one like five date run, and a TV show up in Glasgow, a BBC thing in Glasgow, and I came back from Editor's European tour the day of the London show. But I was going to America the day after, so I couldn't even get down to the London show. So I wanted to see my kids. I hadn't seen them for weeks. Mm. Came back, saw my kids, went to America, and that was that. That was the end of everything. Yeah, absolutely like mind-blowingly gutted mm. but again there's you know i've got this record out of it yeah and and i keep i still keep i still keep it people keep telling me it's like people keep telling me that they're telling other people to listen to this record like because yeah. no because we couldn't promote it really so it kind of it did really well but it's like in america and stuff yeah people going i tell everyone to go out and buy this record because it's one of my favorite records of all time and nobody knew about it because of what happened yeah. Yeah. and how it all ended in a really, really fucking soul-destroyingly sad way. But mm. I'm still proud of the record. I know Grant is, and I know James is, and we're, I, it's just fucking good that I don't get to make. So I could have made a record, that record every year, yeah. forever. Yeah, that's been, like the like, beauty of the record, isn't it? It's happiest. just that direct, yeah. just pure. It's like, bang, yeah. chords, no fucking about. It's not really, it's like a little bit of, there's no, there's no special moves on the guitar. Yeah. It's like a couple of solo bits. You know, the drums are outlandishly big, and it's like, and the vocals are amazing because Scott was fucking incredible singer. Mm. You know, getting to record his vocals was an absolute fucking pleasure. He did it in the same in our studio. In the studio, you did your amazing. record. Amazing. Wow. Um, so we did we did pretty much all of it in there. And um, oh man, just doing his vocals is really weird because it's the only time. You know, I recorded Tom's vocals and editors for the like, last few records mm. and doing Scott's singing. And Tom's like, he's a fucking serious singer. He comes in, he fucking nails it. And he's, he's just one of those fucking people who, who can do what they do really fucking yeah. well. 
You know what I mean? He's like properly super pro, crazy musicianship. And then Scott, he's like me. He's like, he fucking hits things until they work. Yeah. But when they work, oh man. And he just, he'd like, listen to him going, I don't know if this is sounding right. And then I'd hear it all back and he'd come in and listen to him. Like, it sounds fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally didn't have to do anything to it. It was like, it just sounds like Scott. Is that the, uh, is that know, a frightened rabbit fan in you though? speaking probably probably yeah probably but like and he was he was really fucking pleased because none of it was on his shoulders he wasn't try. he wasn't the like main writer he was he just got to do something that didn't require him to spill any kind of emotional blood or i think he just got to have fun and make Mm. a fucking rock record because that's the only thing we want to do it's like, I just want to have fun and make a rock record. He's like, you know, go back to fucking the early 90s. I want to make the album that that kid I was then mm, always yeah. wanted to make. I got to make it. And that was, yeah, and I'm really fucking proud of it. Yeah, and he nailed it. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's just said I can't make fucking yeah. a load more. But <laughs> see now, now when, it, when I pick up a guitar now and, and like, you know when you you know when you pick up someone else's guitar and you automatically can write like seventy thousand tunes yeah. on it. When yeah. is you pick your own guitar up and you're just like I can't write anything on it. Yeah. Now every time I pick up someone else's guitar, I can write like fucking two Master System albums in about ten minutes. It's gutting because I can't bring myself to record no. that kind of music yet. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna basically have to move into technical metal. Like it's the opposite. It's the polar opposite of BEF, like 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 you were talking about, like the complexity yeah. of it, but it's kind of achieving the same thing in the end. It's just this yeah. extra level of just some sort of spirit about it's just it, nice. ethos to it. Yeah, yeah, and that's I try and get that into everything. To be honest, it's everything I've ever done. I've always tried to get that in. I think that's just in some way. I'm not like a technically gifted player in any stretch of the imagination, but I always manage to imprint that little bit of what I think is my music and stuff that I do. I think that's what it is. It's like in BEF, it's got a quality about it. And a lot of that comes from how AIDS vocals like blanket everything yeah. around these chords that I've, that, I've, that I've thrown over to him. And then Master System is the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, it's just fucking chords. Yeah. <laughs> it's the simplest it thing in the world. Just like when you yeah, playing. but it's just like, it's just, it's, you know, and, you know, this is a guy who, you know, if you ask me what this note is that I'm playing on a guitar, I would not be able to tell you. I'd have to count back in octaves. I'd be like, right, on the bottom string, it's that. So <laughs> I'm up here. Literally, I haven't got a clue. Like, I, I, was doing it with, I can't remember what we're doing, fucking around the studio with James. And he's like, hit that fucking B flat or something. I'm like, what's, what are you talking about? He's like, two. He's like, your fucking, your little finger's playing it. I'm like, is that a B flat? Like, Do you not know your fucking notes? I'm like, no. He's like, he stopped everything. He's like, I cannot fucking believe <laughs> out, out of everything. Because you don't even know your notes. I'm like, no, sorry, totally mate. Imagining and he's, you know, but I did say to him, he's only got four strings, so it's easier to remember <laughs> his notes. Just maths. Hey, bassists are people too, Justin. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I loved about no, you I mean, as a producer is that you just, you just love to experiment. The fact mm, that one, one of our like, songs, you just told Jack, you just, pulled a timpani out and told Jack to play a fucking t- the look on his face yeah <laughs> yeah he did yeah oh god he's, I'd, he's like 
I love making that record because I remember how, like, when when we were playing, looking at Robert's face, and he was wincing <laughs> on the heavy bit, like really wincing. I'm like, yeah, that's what you should do. That's what you should do. I want you to fucking wince. Keep your pianos. Come yeah. and have a little wince. At this. <laughs> you know what I mean, and um, and he did keep yeah. his pianos, and uh, no one's heard of he Neil Sprague or Oliver Arnold since. <laughs> <laughs> People have been wincing away at our shows. Exactly. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, I think it's brilliant how how, how Robert um, has kind of built his thing because he's just had so much drive. And to be honest, I miss him a lot because we used to talk. We used to when he first started, we were on the phone like four or five times a day because he was just you know I'd been through the mill and major label system and he was just starting and I had stuff to tell him that you know don't do this, don't do that and try not to do this and he was so overwhelmed by it but then he just got he got into gear at some point he got into his gear then just fucking motored on it it was like it was brilliant to see and now he's like fucking guru like a fucking mad musical guru yeah. brilliant yeah brilliant but amazing, I know because I'll get a call I'll get like a call like I don't know it'll, it may, it'll probably turn up tomorrow and, it, and that'll be it there's three hours of my life gone yeah just <laughs> talking shit yeah talking shit it's funny. It's funny how he's like conquered his little fucking niche, and I just remember how how much work he put in back in that in those days, and how much stress it was. But he just fucking yeah. kept going. I'm like, well, yeah. that's brilliant. You know what I mean? It's weird. Someone said someone said to me ages ago, "Oh, you know every you know everyone." I'm like, well, I think just because I've been around sure. that long, <laughs> yeah, that you know, I'm gonna. Just, just by default, I'm going to pick up people along the way. It's just literally because I've been in it for that long. Yeah, that's man. the only reason. Nobody, I don't know everyone because I'm special and connected. It's like <laughs> literally, I've been there long enough. Yeah. Every fucker, you know, I've I've picked up people along the way and you know and kept talking. But yeah, I do think it Such helps because you're you're a guy that's easy to talk to and you're very likable and you're you're nice to people and I think that must play a big part of you having. You've got to be nice to people though. I think I don't think you know. It always, always freaks me out when you see, like, people look up to people, like politics and stuff like that, and and um, look up to people in public who are massive public figures, and I don't understand how they can be drawn to fucking idiots and nasty, nasty mm. people. It's like. I think even going on like back to like when all these fucking mad talent shows started happening on the telly, that X Factor thing, I get it, it's a massive global brand and all that, but it doesn't mean it's fucking good. It's just bullying on telly. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, and yeah, people are going to sign up because they've got fuck all else and they don't know another way of doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's really, it's really, it's really sad. I mean, being... I don't understand the society we're in that people are drawn to fucking utter maniacs. I mean, mm. look at the fucking government we've got. Mm. They're literally fucking maniacs. You know what I mean? And, and there's no, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't get why you wouldn't be nice. Cause if you're nicer to people, people tend to remember and want to work with you yeah. or, you know, and then someone else will meet you and go, Oh yeah, he's all right. Him, do you know what I mean? He's not yeah. a dick. Yeah. 
and it, basically in order i've i've always collaborated all the way through my career and i think the only reason i've managed to collaborate is because someone at some point went oh he's not a dick and then the next yeah. person went yeah he, yeah yeah he's not a dick he's all right <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and that's just carried on and on and on and on until like you know i mean edit when editors rang me out I, I didn't i didn't even know anyone in editors um like i just got this mad call from the manager and i'm pretty sure someone along the way had gone oh yeah yeah he's not a dick he's all right <laughs> <I'm not." laughs> and, that, and that was was it, is it was it really as simple as that you didn't know anyone in that band no i mean they they supported milo like when they first started out on our i think it was our biggest ever show in fucking what's it called um coco in camden right yeah um and um we did a show there and editors were like second on out of four bands or something uh some mad nme show or something mm. um but i never never think but they worked with flood on their third record mm. and we'd worked with flood a couple of years previous on our second record and i i stayed friends with flood because he taught me everything pretty much i know apart from the drums we are being i learned everything i know about recording from flood um guitars, everything. And I think there's a connection there from, right. from, from me and them and, and guitars. And then the manager was aware of other things that I was doing at the time. And I think they just put two and two together. I went, oh, I'll just ring that guy because he's not a dick. Amazing. <laughs> so was it a case yeah. of you just you just joined them? Like immediately no, they, or they, was it all you they just... They asked me, that I was only there to, um, initially, I got a call saying, they're part of ways with a guitarist, but they've still got the biggest show of their career to play Fuck. in in like three months' time. And I was I was I literally I was in the middle of the fucking Highlands in Scotland. All right, cool. And at that point, I don't think anyone else even knows this. I didn't have a guitar when it was called me to play guitar. I didn't own a guitar. What did you do? You didn't own like, a guitar. I didn't know. I had like. I had like a guitar guitar. Like I didn't have, I'd like probably like lent them to mates and stuff. I didn't right. actually physically have a guitar. So they were ringing me didn't to give be a like, shit, lead, just, lead, lead, <laughs> just lead, like lead guitarist in this fucking massive, like dark indie band. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was on the phone thinking, I ain't got a guitar. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll pop down to music biz. And just... What was it? I think that's because I just, I just done like, I just, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was in the studio and I was I was moving so far away from guitars that that I, I don't I don't know where I had I had like a broken like Epiphone Black Beauty that I used only for metal bits in Milo <laughs> that I managed to keep along and I and I also had this like broken Telecaster which had no electrics in it that me and James <laughs> bought from Cash Converters in the nineties, <laughs> which was like a like a just you know experiment guitar and um i put that in in the boot and we, I, I learned all their songs in whilst i was on the frightened rabbit documentary at the night time or in the morning i'd just go through all the songs they sent me a list of about 30 songs i'm like i don't know anyone else's music i've never played someone else's <laughs> song in my life and there's like fucking 20 tunes for me that i've got to learn the guitar lead guitar yeah. parts i'm like but I didn't want to say, have you ever heard me play guitar? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's told you, I'm not really a lead guitarist. have one. Imagine if that was where it ended. One. You went, oh, sorry, I ain't got a guitar. I, yeah. I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> but I, li I literally didn't, I didn't have like a, a setup. I didn't have a setup at that point. I mean, I had like broken guitars kicking around, but I didn't have a setup. So I remember going, 
oh, I should probably get a guitar now. <laughs> and then um, rocked up to rehearsals, got along with him, and uh, that was that. How well did we just uh, started writing? How well did you know their back catalogue before you joined? I knew it quite well. I knew, especially the third record, because Flood had just finished, done it a few years previously. Mm. So, and that was the really synthy one. Um, that's where they went like full synth. And I knew all the singles and stuff off the first couple of records because it was impossible to not yeah. know them because they're ever. Yeah, yeah. And um, the previous guitarist, Chris, really good guitarist. I never met him. I don't, I, I never met him in my entire life, but I've played his parts for like, the last decade. Sure. And it's really strange because he's, he's got a very similar. It's really weird playing someone else's parts that everybody else knows. Yeah. Yeah. And and like going behind that and how he structures all his parts because he uses he, they're his shapes. And I, I know when I'm playing his songs because he uses very particular note shapes. Right, right. And how he now I don't know what the notes are, but he uses like <laughs> the space in between the thing. They're all they're all like inversions of each other. Sure. So like a lot of his stuff can be on like some tune on the first record show up on the third record but it'd be inverted and on a synthesizer right so you're like oh shit that's just that but backwards four years later oh, in a shit. really mad way so there's loads of like, really mad shapes you know and he wrote some fucking big crowd-pleasing lead riffy bits yeah and but it's, it's very different very different to how i play and you know i i, I can't play i won't be able to write like he wrote mm because he had his own little thing going on, like super high up the neck, really super high pitch stuff. And uh, yeah, it was good. It, it sounds like you're describing a teenager's dream. A fucking love it. Like, for example, like you don't know the notes he's playing. So I'm, I'm imagining you on like ultimateguitar.com, like learning the tabs. Oh, yeah. And then you turn <laughs> yeah. up at your first editor's rehearsal. You're taking like boss pedals out of the box and putting in like little square batteries. It's like, yeah, I was, you know what? I used um, for the first rehearsal, I used Fives, the keyboard player at BEF. I used his pedal board. Oh. And because um, he had a he had a POG on there, and I knew there was loads of Oc TV kind of stuff in it, in uh, Christie or guitarist stuff. Right. So I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll rock it with the POG. They're like, yeah, we've got two of those, dear mate. All right. <laughs> <laughs> put this one back in the, put this one back in the carrier bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> interview with Justin Lockie. Fantastic job, guys. What a way to end the season. Thanks, man. Yeah, I... I well, it was, it was so lovely talking to him, because it's been so long since we last spoke. Uh, as he mentioned in the in the episode, like, the last time I think we actually had a conversation was about ten years ago. Uh, Although I do I, think I, I, we've I, said that a lot on this podcast. We sort of used ten years as our marker for something that happened a long time. But I, I do think it was literally 2011, seeing Niels Fram in a church. Well, that's that's. So okay. I think I think it's fair. I think it's fair fair use of <laughs> ten years there. <laughs> I think it's fine. I think exactly. anything anything below twenty, you can say is ten years, and you just feel better about yourself sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Guide, guidelines. <laughs> as long as I don't. It's better having those sorts of conversations, like not on Zoom, where I can see. How time has absolutely ravaged me, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was such a lovely conversation. You probably heard um, Justin got quite emotional when talking about his friend uh, Scott Hutchinson, probably best known uh, as the singer from Frightened Rabbit, who sang on the uh, the brilliant Master System record. Justin said that uh, he he constantly gets people 
coming up to him that were only just discovering that record uh, because they didn't really get a chance to promote it and I just want to urge listeners to go out and check out that record it's just it's so raw it's like proper sort of garage band rock music but with great melodies great musicianship um, yeah. and it was also it was quite cool because like, Justin said that that was recorded where we recorded our first album that was kind of like uh, it was like an honour it was just because that's an album that means so much but yeah it was an absolute means honor, so much yeah. to us and obviously the work of Scott uh, with Frightened Rabbit and everything it was, that was just I don't, it was a very cool thing it was like if we'd played at the cavern or something yeah um, I know what you mean but yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was so nice to just it was and uh, it was it was nice just remembering those those days when we were young recording an yeah, album. Yeah, it was nice yeah. to feel young again for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> Did it make you feel young? It made me feel old. I don't know. Maybe I'm too in the moment. Oh, I d- I d- the big thing was it's like it's horrendous for me thinking about uh, we really because we really looked up to Justin at the time because when you know because we loved BEF, we loved that record, loved my life. Um, uh, loved Milo and for us Milo were like they were a band in Kerrang and stuff when we were in our like formative years and so to us he's like a he's like a rock star but like in reality he was like a dude in his 20s I wouldn't listen to like a dude in his 20s now <laughs> <laughs> I think I, t- I was I was telling him afterwards wasn't I that I the first time I actually was in the same area as him was I was like in the background for a Kerrang photo shoot. With, oh, really? With, with Milo. <laughs> I don't remember that. Have you told us that story before, Steve? Elaborate a bit on that. What was the shot? Yeah, it was with our mate Dave when we mm. were when we were young, and he just somehow I don't know he was on a mailing list or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And he got like an invite to come along, and we all had to um, chase him through one of the parks in London. I can't think which one now. <laughs> right. But, right. Uh, we had to wear. <laughs> Um, balaclavas and your code name is Milo armbands right and like chase after do you still have the armband I do still have that armband wow it's it's back in England but um, I don't think I've ever seen that I know where it is I lived with you for years well I didn't wear it day to day (laughs) you're wearing it every day as an anklet (laughs) in our first flat that we shared together we had a your code name is Milo poster up in the hallway I think I remember yeah. the poster. And then we're working with him and you're looking up to him in a sort of in a different way to now. Because yeah. you say we did look up to him, we still do, don't we? Because of everything he's done oh, since. Yeah. But it's kind of um like a more academic kind of thing now, like, oh he knows how to do this, he can do this, I can appreciate mm. this skill. Whereas before it's just more like there's a rock star over there and he's Wait, talking he's to a, us about yeah absolutely. he's a man of um, a man of many talents you know what I mean he's, he's got his finger in many pies and he's just seems to have a lot of stuff going on a lot yeah. of creative projects happening I love the kind of frank conversations about the touring and everything and I, it made me mm. think I was kind of imagining like the next time we go on tour I'm like no guys I'm going to hire my own little Toyota Yaris I'm going to follow <laughs> behind we- you Jack, that would absolutely cripple us, and you know it. <laughs> it would be good, yeah. though, wouldn't it? We all have our own pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Just the spot. But, um, but yeah, it was so good talking to uh, Justin. Thank you to him uh, for being so generous with his time. Um, as, I, as I mentioned in the intro, we've got some more chat with Justin uh, about your code name is Milo and some other stuff, uh, which we'll put out at the start of next year. But I guess for now, thank you so much for listening to our first 
series of episodes. It's Thank been, you. It's been a lot of fun. We didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, we didn't know who was going to actually say yes to come and talk to us. But um, suffice to say, uh, the, those of you that have sent us messages and stuff, we really appreciate them. Uh, and we've got some good guests lined up for next series. Yeah, so are we, got... are we all going to put our hand up now and say we are going to do it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have a vote? I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, this is a classic code trick. We, we always played short sets. So all those people asking us, oh, why isn't it more episodes? Yeah. You haven't seen what us if, on tour before, have you? Because yeah, what if one of us uses our veto right now and just vetoes the whole podcast idea? <laughs> I'll, 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 I will veto that drummer out of the next series of the well, podcast. I will tell you, that would um, leave some pretty exciting guests in the lurch. Could I be a yeah, guest? That's very true. We do. <laughs> next season. We do. I'd be, I would be happy to not have you on the show. Um, oh. We do have some great guests for the next series. We can't. I don't ever want to say who they are because we haven't recorded the interviews yet, so anything could go wrong between now and then. But I can confirm that uh, we are going to be doing little bonus episodes between now and the next series, which I think the next series probably about spring sort of time. I reckon February, March will be when the second series starts. But that's no, I'm not promising you anything. Like I really Mate. want to be the podcast that's upfront about dates, <laughs> and I cannot promise you definitely February March, but we'll be aiming for then at the latest, definitely before April. Are you calling? So that's it, basically February March. Are you calling it next season, next run, series? I'm gonna, I'm gonna call. Well, let us know, listeners, what we should call <laughs> our next run of shows. Part two, I'm gonna call it. You can call it part two. As as much as you want, just amongst myself, amongst <laughs> me and myself. Just remembering that I do have final edits of this show, uh, but yeah, but, but we do, yes. So we're not leaving you in the lurch completely. That we are, we have got other episodes. We've got some Christmas episodes lined up, and I'm being maybe a tad overly confident by pluralizing episode there because we've definitely got. Uh, uh, and some bonus content from our chat with Alan from Lowe. Uh, we got a great story about their Christmas album and the absolute banger of a song that's just like Christmas. Um, I am so that'll be coming out uh, at the start of December. I am currently in the DMs of someone else who was involved with a, a, a brilliant Christmas song. But whether or not they actually want to do the podcast, I don't know. But she seems very nice. So that's a clue. That's it's exciting. a she. There's also, we're thinking about doing another episode, which is 24 hours long. It's just Joe counting down the seconds to Christmas. Yeah. So it'll start one minute past midnight on Christmas yeah, yeah. Eve. And it's just a 24-hour episode of him doing just, that. Just, just sweet, yeah. sweet counting. Listeners to... To, other, to Joe's other podcast, which we're not allowed to mention at his behest. Definitely. No, no, absolutely. We'll know that he's a Christmas guy. Oh, God. I'm a big Christmas guy. In fact, uh, I'm quite upfront uh, with Alan. In fact, I, I, I wasn't going to be as upfront, but then Jack just tried to embarrass me, go, this, this idiot loves Christmas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trying to act cool in front of him. But, you know? um, yeah, so we do have that definitely coming out, the extra chat with uh, Alan. Hopefully one or two more, but we'll definitely do another one. But like we'll we'll get together, have a little look back over the year, and hopefully a few. And then definitely also Justin talking about your code name is Milo. That'll be in January. So look, there's at least a few 
to bridge the gap a little bit. Um, but yeah, just basically, thank you very much uh, for listening to us these past couple of months, and hopefully you'll continue to listen to us going forward. Please. How can people get in touch? At Codes Clouds on Twitter and Instagram. Codes in the Clouds on Facebook, or send us an email. Maybe a suggestion of of playlists that we need to do or send us your own playlist to try and convert us to a band and that's please yes or just some positive vibes send those across as well love some positive vibes yeah do do get in touch we'd love to know any suggestions you have for um i made you a mixtape because you're wrong uh or any like suggestions for the paper crane playlist which you will find in the description of this episode so we'll be going through all episodes uh any music you just want to add to it basically tell us what you like it's just two hours of tool info at codes in the clouds.net i guess i guess all the all the uh oh here we go i guess uh, what i need to leave you with last one all right this is a, a, a series capping oh. one for you joe well look no i tell you because i tell you what i think i'm gonna go profound and and that and you're saying joe but you've been profound <laughs> Your entire <laughs> life. I was just about to say that. But I think I'm just going to just turn it up a little... A little more. Okay. Because... Um, uh, I'm just forming it in my head. It's really good. And I'll leave you with... Now, thunder <laughs> only happens when it's raining. Um. <laughs> and paper, it only loves you when it's raining. <laughs> oh... You know, Good man, night. That's the worst one. Coming, yeah, I think. think he's not going to do it. Though. I think that's the most profound it. one. What I've done. <laughs> no, because you actually you've got to think about it, and that's that's your problem with it. You don't like thinking. <laughs>